uh, a big challenge for doing innovation is uh, change management, you know? Yeah. Because uh, you basically need to understand how to change your company, even from the point of view of process, because uh, the new technologies are totally different uh, as uh, what they use to have and what they use to produce. So you will need new competences, you will need new process, and so on. And how to make accept this to the managers is also very challenging. Then about the culture, right? Because also this impact a lot. Uh, but the culture, I would say that the important point is that you have a clear idea what you would like to do. You drive by business, so you present correctly your business case and your business plan. And then the key role could be Italian, could be English, could be Japanese, could be any kind of culture is communication. Yeah. You need to understand, uh, uh, based on uh, what are their targets, how to present all this information to them. Welcome to the Mobility Innovators Podcast. Hello everyone, welcome to another episode of Mobility Innovators Podcast. I'm your host, Jaspal Singh. Mobility Innovator Podcast invite key innovators in the transportation and logistics sector to share their experience and their forecast for the future. In this episode, we'll be discussing the latest innovation in the rail sector. Our today guest is the head of digital strategy and innovation at Hitachi Rail, a multinational rolling stock manufacturer company with operation in 38 countries around the world. He's responsible for understanding the innovative trends and proposing new digital investment at Hitachi Rail, including the identification of strategic partnership. I'm so happy to welcome Wellington Topanta, Head of Digital Strategy and Innovation at Hitachi Rail. It's now time to listen and learn. Hello, Wellington. Thank you for joining us on the show. I'm really looking forward to learning from your experience today. Hi, Jaspal. Thank you very much for this opportunity. So today I'll be spending time getting to know about you, your work at Itachi Rail, and your thought on innovation in mobility and rail sector. To start with, I would like to take your macro perspective. You are working in the railway and metro innovation space for around 15 years now. How has the rail sector evolved in the last 15 years? And generally people call the rail industry as an elephant as it moved very slow. What do you make of rail sector reputation as being slow to adopt new technologies? So thank you for the question, Jaspal. Uh, considering there are two questions about the first one, uh, I think the railway environment, the railway technology are evolving a lot in the last years. The, and like you said, the key difference is that the adoption. The adoption yeah. is slow, but the technology is evolving. So I will say with the raising of digitalization, for sure uh, the technologies in railway are evolving from the point of view of uh, signaling, automation, even rolling stock, because now we are having the trend of uh, IoT trains, right? Yeah. And uh, this is uh, giving a lot of benefits to our customers because uh, they are not only implementing only the next generation solutions, but also they are leveraging for, from all this data in order to have benefits from the operation and maintenance. In the past years, I would say that they were more focused in the maintenance part, but now there are a lot of data that can allow them also to increase and uh, efficient the operation activities and uh, reduce the operation cost. 
Yeah. So this about that and about uh, why the adoption, right? The, the, yes, you know, railways are elephants yeah. because, uh, because of the niche of the market, you know. We are speaking about a technology that uh, you are basically in some sort of way playing with the life of the people. So yeah. you need to be sure that this technology has to be safe. Obviously, that means that uh, for the implementation, it will take more time. Uh, think about uh, how much time it takes to implement a metro system. So you buy now the last generation technology, but then uh, the people, the customer, will benefit on this technology in six, eight, eight years, maybe. Yeah. So at the end, basically, what you bought um, uh, now will be eight years old when it will be in operation. So the technology continues to go ahead, but the main problem is the implementation. And it's not only the implementation because of the safety, it's because uh, for implementing a railway line, you have to do a lot of civil works. Yeah. So also this take time, you have uh, to install all the rails, then you have to install the technology, then you have to test the technology, then you have to in put in place the trains, you have to test the trains, you have to test all the integration together, and yeah. then finally you can have your system operative, <laughs> you know, so unfortunately it's the way that it is, is in that way, you know. Yeah, yeah I, I, and I think you touch a very important point saying the technology is evolving, it's the implementation which is slow and the reason like you rightly mentioned about the testing, the safety, uh, and it's it's about life of people and there are thousands of people travel in the train so you cannot yeah. risk anybody's life. These all are great points and I love what you mentioned that our trains are changing signaling, we are seeing new train, we are next generation of vehicles are coming. But the problem is the operator need to order something today, which they want in next four or five years. So you cannot wait till the new technology come. You have to take initiative today. Now, thanks for sharing that. Now, regarding your personal side. So according to your LinkedIn profile, you did your bachelor in telecommunication uh, engineering from the University of Genoa. After that, you started your career as an innovation manager with Alzalto. STS, the company was later acquired by Hitachi Rail in 2019 and became Hitachi Rail STS. And you took over the new role of head of digital strategy and innovation in April, 2022. This is something we found on your LinkedIn, but I'm more curious to know anything which you haven't mentioned on LinkedIn or any interesting career fact, uh, which you haven't shared in the public profile yet. I would say that uh, maybe it's not in interest from the, my career point of view, but uh, something very peculiar is that uh, I did all my career in Italy, but I'm not Italian. So I'm Latin American. I'm from Ecuador. I born and raised in Ecuador. I came here in Italy to do the, my university. Then I got my degree and the opportunity came out to join Ansaldo STS and uh, they basically adopt me and and since there, I'm being adopted by Italy, by Genoa, by Ansaldo STS, by Itachi, and uh, I'm doing my career very good. But uh, this is something that uh, is important to share because uh, basically you can imagine how difficult yeah. it is for an immigrant to create a new life and a career in a different country. And uh, I was able to do that. So this is something that uh, I would say, if you have the capabilities, and uh, you are willing to fight for what you are willing to fight, 
And also you have the suitable company that allow you to grow. <laughs> uh, I think uh, that is something possible to do. So I'm very grateful for Itachi Rail uh, that uh, gave me this opportunity and uh, uh, based on my professionality is giving me this uh, career path now. Thanks. And actually, yeah, that's that's I, I really love your answer because recently I I was listening to one guy who's a founder of LinkedIn and he said, immigrants are the real entrepreneur because they leave their country, their network, their connections, their friend circle, their culture, everything and come to a new country and start from scratch and build everything from scratch. And I, I must say that uh, your story is one of the immigration success story, how you started as a as a junior level in the company and now uh, working as a head of uh, strategy. Now, that's also I'm very curious to learn is uh, what is your role at Hitachi right now uh, as a head of strategy, what you need to do? What is your doing look like? Okay, yes, uh, being the head of a strategy is a lot of things. Because, uh, you know, a strategy means uh, a lot of things, but uh, I'm not dealing, for example, with the strategic part of the operation side. So someone is developing this. I'm only supporting with the direction. So it's my role to understand if uh, something that we would like to invest or as a new line of business or as uh, something that uh, has to be used as a part of the core business is uh, something that uh, will grow in the future, leaded by business, and it will be profitable. So it's my role to, to give this kind of assurance to the company. Mm. Secondly, uh, we are part of a big conglomerate that is Itachi Group. So it's my role to support also the, the chief Lumada officer, that is the one that has the responsibility among the collaborations uh, with Itachi Group, uh, to be sure that we are collaborating correctly with the other members of Itachi. And uh, also we are basically leading uh, all the activities correctly, because you can imagine how, how difficult it is in a company of 300,000 uh, people that is yeah. Itachi and 12,000 that is Itachi Rail to understand what is doing each other and how to leverage all these competences to make it grow. So it's my part to, to, to support this kind of a strategy of collaboration in order to, to make us succeed to, uh, in collaboration as one Itachi. The other point also as part of my responsibility is the collaboration with the startups. Mm. It's very important uh, to reduce the time to market. Yeah. So, okay, we can have innovative ideas. Uh, we uh, are investing a lot in new technologies, but uh, it's not like you have to develop everything from zero. Yeah. if there are already uh, some startups that have this kind of capabilities. So it's my role also to identify this kind of startups and support uh, and select the correct one to uh, collaborate and make them our key partner uh, for taking the product uh, in a short time. So to reduce the time to market. I would say these are the main three. There are many other activities, but uh, I would say that uh, with this, uh, you can have a big overview of what is my <laughs> daily, daily basis job, you know? Yeah, it's it sounds uh, quite a lot of work, uh, <laughs> managing a uh, lot of new development and making sure it's profitable, then working with startup to reduce go-to-market uh, for the company. And like you mentioned, 
in a company of 300,000 people, it's very difficult to know what's happening where. So bringing everybody, everything together at one place is a challenge. And in fact, that's I'm, I'm curious to learn because managing innovation in a big company is a problem. But the culture also play a big role. And uh, I would say you are a perfect example. Uh, you are born in Latin America, so you know Latin American culture, but then you work in uh, Italy, so you know European culture, but now you're working for a Japanese company, so you have a perspective about Japanese culture. And what we have seen that uh, in a corporate innovation space, uh, it's, it's very challenging to convince your management how to promote and accept innovation. And you are you have worked under two different management and corporate culture. You worked in Italian company and now you're working in a Japanese company last two, one decade. And what I love about Japan, because Japan always believe in, in a Kaizen theory, which is improvement in pursuit of perfection. They never, they never look for, uh, they always look for improving what they have achieved. And in Italy, we tend to look for perfection. So we always want to have something very perfect before serving. Would love to know your perspective on corporate innovation in different culture because you are lucky enough to work in a two, two different setup. And also, what are the key challenges faced by the corporate innovator uh, based on the culture you are working with? Yeah, about, about this, uh, the I think we can speak by hours, you know, because uh, there is a lot to talk. Uh, first of all, uh, the key point is that uh, a big challenge for doing innovation is uh, change management, you know. Yeah. Because uh, you basically need to understand how to change your company, even from the point of view of process because uh, the new technologies are totally different uh, as uh, what they use to have and what they use to produce. So you will need new competences, you will need new process, and so on. And how to make accept this to the managers is also very challenging. Then about the culture, right? Because also this impact a lot. Uh, but the culture, I would say that the important point is that you have a clear idea what you would like to do. You drive by business, so you present correctly your business case and your business plan. And then the key role could be Italian, could be English, could be Japanese, could be any kind of culture is communication. Yeah, You need to understand uh, uh, based on uh, what are the targets, how to present all this information to them. Because the same business case that uh, could be attractive for an Italian, maybe could not be attractive to for a Japanese. And not is because the content is wrong. Yeah, it's because the way that you are communicating to them. So I will say that the the content, uh, the idea, uh, if everything is done correctly, then the last uh, effort that is not uh, so small <laughs> is understand how to communicate. Yeah, And obviously, in that case, you need the support from your local colleagues to understand uh, how to address correctly the message. Because believe me, even if I work it, uh, since a lot of years with any kind of culture, because fortunately that I'm a Latin American migrant uh, and so on, I, the company allowed me to work internationally with different environments. I understand the cultures. But at the same time, you need support locally because uh, always uh, the communication is, is totally different. Yeah. 
Now these, I, I must say, like uh, you have actually concise uh, years of knowledge in in five minutes, and I really love your point <laughs> about like innovation is nothing but change management. So if you are not ready to accept the change, innovation can never happen. And and I think that's a crux of the matter because a lot of organization fail with innovation because they don't have a change management plan. And and yeah. communication is very important. It's whether you're communicating to external stakeholder or internal stakeholder. If you fail in communication. Even if you have best of the product, it will never work. So how to communicate, how to how to convince people, uh, it's it's very important. And working in a different culture, you understand. In in some culture, the values matter more. In some culture, like American culture, is more about money, how much money yeah, you will make. Exactly. And 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 I live in Canada, so in Canada, it's more about the values and uh, how it will bring some social. Aspect, so you have and, to... and 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 I will say that I just remember the, something that uh, impact in innovation and in a strategy. You need to be good also to do synthesis, hmm. because otherwise you present something to people that even if you have the good contents, but it's too much that they don't understand. Yeah. So it's always con communication, right? But uh, synthesis is also key for this, you know. Analysis and synthesis is something that uh, that you really need to do. It's, it's a big challenge. Not not many people can do this, you know. Yeah, no, I I think life is all about communication these days. How you communicate, even you are best of uh, the person, but if you can't know how to communicate, people will never understand you. Now, another important point which you earlier mentioned about that it's a big company. So Hitachi is with three hundred thousand people, and uh, it's it's very like a lot of these people are working on ground. So Hitachi introduced this idea sourcing platform, which is uh, called Hinova. And I, I really like it because it's basically an idea to crowdsource different idea from employees and uh, collect idea from everyone in the organization. Because a lot of time you hear only the top voices and you don't hear the people who are on the ground. Mm -hmm. Can you share more about this initiative? And what I would love to know more is also any project which emerged from this platform, like any project you want to share and say, oh, this project, you know, actually came from this uh, platform. So about uh, this uh, project, uh, this born two years ago. This one two years ago uh, from the area of innovation with a um, very interesting concept because like you said, we have uh, 12,000 people because it was launched in Itachi Ray. We have 12,000 people. Uh, we continue to, yes, uh, do innovation, research and development and so on. But are we considering all the ideas that can come from these 12,000 people? It's not maybe that there are ideas that, we, that they can contribute, can maybe become a product, a new line of business, and we are excluding. Yeah. So this was basically the idea from the chief innovation officer of that time that uh, came to his mind and say, let's propose this to the company. And uh, we implemented because I, I supported this yeah. in the implementation. We collected many ideas. And uh, yes, I would say there are, there are uh, obviously, you know, the company is not like have a, a lot of money to invest in anything, right? Because also from that point of view, you need to do a correct business case if you would like to do something uh, that you really need to invest a lot of money. But yeah. uh, obviously, we did uh, the sort of selection based on uh, uh, something that uh, doesn't need uh, so big amount of money, but basically it's a quick win. 
So we can see a return on investment, uh, even if it's a small implementation. Then we selected other ideas, I would say, yeah. that uh, could be something big and uh, that uh, we asked support for doing a business case. And that is another story that uh, obviously there are some secrets that I cannot share <laughs> in this oh, podcast. I, I, I agree. But, I, um, but uh, I would say that about the ideas, uh, there were very interesting ideas about the uh, intelligent maintenance. Hmm. That was a, was a quick win using artificial intelligence and machine learning so that we can apply because, uh, and this came because uh, you think about, I'm speaking about two years ago, right? And two years ago, we were in COVID period. Yeah. So many ideas came to how to solve and in order to support uh, remote uh, maintenance activities. And now we have a lot of technologies that are going around that are being used in automotive, uh, in aviation, in many environments, but uh, very few apply it in Ray. So what we say, well, we don't apply this to Ray. So, and uh, I, can, I can talk about you that, that this is one example is the how to apply HoloLens, right? Mm. Uh, so basically these lenses that uh, you remotely can support uh, maintainers to maintain the different assets being you the, the technical expert in any part of the world. So you have to travel there. Yeah. Uh, this save time uh, and they say that, that save cost and also basically the technology can support you to teach yourself how to do everything by yourself you know? so th this is uh, this is one idea that can share there are other ideas that maybe i prefer to take uh, to take care not to 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 share at the moment but uh, yeah. maybe you will see in the future in our itachi web page you know yeah, well, that no, I agree. I agree with you, and fully respect that because you work so hard to collect those ideas, and and it it has some proprietary advantage. But I agree with you. This Hulu lens and uh, this artificial uh, intelligence and augmented reality, uh, it's becoming like a big area which can help yeah. uh, uh, the transit sector and transportation sector, like report maintenance. And now people are talking about remote driving, so there are a lot of these things will come with the communication and all. Now, shifting a gear a bit, uh, because I want to learn from your experience in the rail sector. Uh, and we already discussed why rail sector is slow in adopting, but at the same time, there are a lot of technology development are happening in the rail sector. And Hitachi Rail, I would say, is doing a lot of interesting work uh, and designing new product. One thing you mentioned earlier that rail sector has to develop a lot of civil infrastructure, and that takes a lot of time. And one of the key objective of Hitachi Rail is now how to make it zero infrastructure, how to reduce physical assets like signals and, and reduce certain stuff so that your development can be much faster. And second area uh, is about autonomous train, like you mentioned, how to run these train independently because then your operation can be 24 hours into seven. And I think the freight train will be the biggest example of that. I'm very curious to learn about that uh, zero infrastructure and autonomous rail project uh, which you are doing at Hitachi and how the rail or I would say the rolling stock of the future will be different from the past. How you feel the train which we are seeing today will be very different uh, in coming in coming generation uh, from what we are seeing today. So these are very two interesting questions in the area of innovation, right? Um, about skill infrastructure, uh, our idea is to reduce as much as possible the assets along mm -hmm. the line 
in order to do two things. First, reduction of cost, yeah. because you can imagine if you reduce assets means cables, means power supply, uh, means a lot of cost from the point of view of the of the customer that they can save. And secondly, time to implement. Yeah. Because we were speaking about this uh, big uh, time of implementation that it takes the railway. So this can be a big support in order to reduce this time of implementation. And our idea is basically, a, for example, now for uh, the interlocking. You can imagine that the interlocking at the moment, uh, you need uh, physical racks. Yeah. Uh, you need to connect to the field device controllers. So you need also um, uh, some uh, racks along the line to manage the wayside equipment that can be switch machines, that can be level crossings, that can be any other uh, equipment. And all this is physical. You need long cables, expensive cables, installation of all these materials. And uh, uh, you can imagine also the, 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 the power supply consumption. Yeah. So the idea is to move everything, all this kind of, because if you think about this, everything software, right? Now we have cloud technology. Yeah. So the idea is to move everything to cloud. Obviously, like we said before, it's very important to take in consideration the safety. We have safety integrity levels in railway environment for signaling equipment. So we are taking care in making this kind of technology still for. So that uh, for sure we are uh, we are not in discussion. But that is basically what the Insel infrastructure is uh, Itachi working on in reducing the assets. But not only because if you think about it, it's not like you can remove everything because yeah. uh, in any case, the, the train still will run through the rails and uh, <laughs> need to switch. Uh, so switch machines won't disappear. Uh, sometimes even if you would like to eliminate as much as possible level crossings, uh, yeah. you have to install them. So for sure they will survive at the same time. So uh, the idea in the area of cell infrastructure is also to understand how to power all this kind of equipment with alternative power supply. That could be solar, that could be batteries, that could be smart grids, you know. So this also in order to reduce the, the cost, because you can imagine you do everything also from the point of view of sustainability, right? Yeah. Uh, you can reduce cost, but also you can, uh, uh, you can reduce the contamination. Because it's true that basically uh, you are using electricity, but who knows from where? electricity yeah. comes from right <laughs> so indirectly uh, but uh, yes we are thinking about this about cell infrastructure in synthesis uh, about autonomous trains another um, another point as you know autonomous trains already exist since a lot of years from the point of view of metro so that yeah. is not uh, in discussion but uh, at the same time even if we have already autonomous trains in metro environment there is a lot of stuff that you can do to improve yeah. the solution from the point of view of the cbtc so what i see in the future is that uh, we will leverage in the new telecommunications in the innovation of telecommunications from the point of view in order to support the, these diverse activities to also reduce the cost uh, to the operators we will rely on new technologies for train positioning in order also to reduce the time to implementation and also to leverage maybe use the same technology for telecommunications. So yeah. this from the point of view of the, the CBTC. From the point of view of mainline, 
ERTMS, what I can see is that, uh, you know, uh, there are uh, norms, there are standards that are coming out. And you can see that uh, the main standard that um, we have in Europe is ERTMS level three. Okay. All the industries are working for making it happening. And I would say that if we compare the actual train with a future train, uh, for sure you need uh, IoT technology. Yeah. And if that will be autonomous, you for sure need a reliable obstacle detection system, right? Because uh, that is absolutely necessary. You will need also a um, more intelligent onboard equipment that uh, will do many things uh, and among it also energy efficiency. And uh, from the other point, also telecommunication. So let's see if 5G will be ready yeah. at that time. And uh, uh, so it's possible to leverage in the, in the 5G for, for railways because that is being discussed at the moment with uh, FLCMS. So there is a lot that is happening at the moment in the industry and the point of view of innovation, autonomous trains, infrastructure. And uh, I would say that Itachi Rail is investing a lot in all these areas to, to be the leader in this kind of, uh, from this kind of part of technology. Oh, great thanks for thanks for sharing these points uh, and i i really love what you describe how these technology will be changing uh, the future of uh, this rolling stock and they will be connected you will all everything will be connected through cloud and all and also i love your point about making these infrastructure independent so removing uh, dependence on external power so setting up a small solar station or solar power near to the where the electricity consumption is required so you don't need a long cable to do it and the infrastructure can be managed locally and sustainably so the train will be like a fully green train not like supported yeah. by electricity which is coming from coal so so i agree with you it's it's important to use technology and innovation to make uh, make it possible one of the key challenge uh, faced by rail operator is a set life strategy and I mentioned in the beginning, uh, the life of hardware is more than 25 and 30 years these days, but the things are changing in a much faster way. And the key challenge operator face is first, a uh, lot of these equipment uh, and spare part uh, became obsolescence and the availability. If you have a first generation train, which is 30 year old or 20 year old, the problem is most of these parts are not available in the market. Second is the system integration became an issue because if you have a different uh, kind of a rolling stock, different generation of rolling stock, how to integrate with your planning and other application. But the but another biggest challenge is the human resource, lack of skill for old technology. Uh, for example, if I try to hire a Unix developer today, I can't find it because everybody's learning Java and ASP and other kind of languages or Python. Even ASP is old, so everybody's learning Python. So sometimes finding people who have those skills uh, to manage old technology is not available. Now, my question to you is because you are working in this area and you must be struggling with these challenges. How do you think operator can overcome these challenges? And does it make your job more difficult or easier? Like you mentioned, now everything is becoming more and more connected with software and less reliance on the hardware. So is your job is becoming more easier or difficult with the changing time? I won't call neither easier or difficult. I would say it's challenge every time because you yeah. need to 
you know, company that don't innovate, that don't invest in R&D won't survive. Yeah. So in any case, you have to continue to invest every time. And that means that your life will be challenging. But I won't call easy or difficult because uh, challenge for some people could be easier. <laughs> for other yeah. people could be difficult, right? <laughs> it's a new but, reality. Uh, but it's the, it's the way that it is, you know. And uh, yes, operators, I would say that uh, is, I would say is the way of the life, you know. Everything sometime will become obsolete. So it's something that we cannot, uh, we can do nothing. What we can do for sure is uh, uh, time by time that the technology is evolving, try to develop uh, platforms that are the most standard and more scalable uh, as possible in order that can integrate uh, as much as possible uh, what is available in the market. Of course, if you speak me about the technology of three, 30 years old or 40 years old, uh, you can do limited stuff because uh, you need to digitalize the technology, right? Yeah. In any case, for integrating anything, you need to digitalize. Uh, that is why, obviously, also companies like us, Itachi Rail, are investing in knowledge and understanding how to put IoT sensors on top of different technology in order to be able to collect data. But the key point is uh, you need absolutely platforms that has to be flexible standard in any yeah. kind of contest. And uh, the second point that uh, you need to be able to manage the data. Mm. So in the last years, and uh, I would say Itachi Rail, uh, from the point of view of uh, Lumada, because you know the or Lumada concept is how to create value from the data. Mm. And secondly, your mission as social innovation, the company invested a lot in digitalization. So we are ready with the digital platforms in order to collect data and to manage the data correctly. Our platform is also a standard, is independent from the technology. So it is agnostic from the point of view of uh, what the hardware has been used so we can integrate anything and uh, our value added is that we are able to manage the data so i would say that uh, to to simplify your question is uh, will be always challenging <laughs> you know easy or, <laughs> or difficult but the important point is that um, companies have to be able to offer something that is standard and scalable that the customer can benefit as much as possible from actual and yeah. solutions. Yeah, and I think I think rightly mentioned, you have to keep learning new thing. You cannot say that uh, we don't want to learn. In fact, uh, I was I was talking with a couple of operators and they are exploring use case of blockchain and they know they cannot implement it something right away, but at the same time, they have to learn whether there is any use case available or not. And data will play a key role uh, to understand what's happening today and what will happen tomorrow. So you have to not only collect the data, but also analyze that. And also your decision-making should be driven by data, not by not by anything else. And, and the job of operator, like as an industry, the job is difficult. The job of operator is also becoming more and more difficult because you need to always remain ahead of the, Friend, you cannot uh, you cannot just follow all the time. You have to now build 
and learn about new technology which is coming up in the yeah. future and i think that's a way the the co creation and collaboration will happen because now authorities are not just issuing tender but they are working with the with the industry to create new kind of a stuff so so thank for sharing that and uh, so i can now imagine your life is uh, more challenging not easy or not difficult <laughs> now my next question is about uh, what you mention about the end customer and i feel the end customers are uh, the passenger and any technology which we are implementing should help those passenger and in last two decade we we have seen the transit companies are implementing new technology to make the passenger journey more comfortable whether it's a use of artificial intelligence or internet of train or big data analytic augmented reality just like you just mentioned uh these are some of the key area where they are investing to bring efficiency for operation for maintenance and also to improve the customer experience and all there are so many these buzzwords are in the market but what i want to learn from you is which technology are more bullish on and how they are reshaping the rail sector do you feel the the ai has more role to play uh, do you think the ai has more role to play or is the big analytics or big data or analytics what are the technology you feel is is very important right now for the rail sector so i would say that uh, all the last generation technologies are very important for the rail sector so we can see the rise of cloud computing very important artificial yeah. intelligence very important machine learning very important augmented reality very important all the last generation technologies the evolution of these uh, tools that we are having now in the market uh, are very important for railway environment as for any other kind of industry i would say and uh, what i'm saying that and you you started uh, your question with uh, the final customers right that are yeah. the passengers how we can support them i would say that uh, we don't have to forget yes uh, public transport is made to make uh, passengers travel and uh, it should be in an easier way in a seamless way in a simple way yeah to to use the public transport but let's remember also that uh, we have to give instruments to the yeah. operators to make that happen so then you have two different customers you have the operators and you have the passengers so from that point of view um itachi rail uh, from their uh, from what is our lumada suite modern intelligent mobility management suite we created different platforms in order to support uh, and 360 degrees or customers that are passengers and operators from these maybe you already hear a lot uh, too much about mobility as a service yeah so mobility as a service is an instrument that is supporting the passengers to travel in an smooth way we are applying innovation to mobility as a service in order to do it in seamless this kind of application and in order to attract more passengers to use public transport in order to reduce contamination reduce the the traffic from the point of view of the the, the road perspective because is our role of itachi rail or social innovation mission right but at the same time from the operator point of view you can imagine you continues to have passengers but uh, you need an instrument yeah. in order to manage correctly your public transport based on the demand so at the same time 
we have another platform that uh, is uh, correlated to collect all the data that is available okay. from the point of view of uh, the automation systems from the from the public transport we collect this data correlate this data apply artificial intelligence machine learning and predict and give a value added services to our operator in order that they can efficient the, the activities along the public transport so we are acting in these two ways and uh, from all our uh, lumada mobility suite or range of products we are applying all the innovative solutions that we can retrieve in the market. So, and also all the tools that could be cloud computing, artificial intelligence. So you can see everything is important. And the main scope is to give uh, benefits to passengers and operators. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with you. All the technologies are connecting with each other so much now. You cannot say that, okay, I'm just looking at the cloud computing and I'm not interested right now for the big data or data analytics because it, it's all interlinked and you can achieve the full potential when you integrate different technology, how to use your AI and ML with, the, with your passenger data collection, how you can make the data collection much more smarter and how you can make better decision uh, using big data. So no, I, I, I agree with you and thank you for sharing that, uh, that how you are using it. Uh, one of the key challenge also operator face is the maintenance and rolling stock uh, in the rail sector, especially it's, it's a very expensive component. And till now, most of these agencies were following the time-based maintenance approach, which was prescribed by the mm -hmm. operator telling them when you need to do the maintenance, the preventive maintenance stuff. But with technology, now what is possible is this uh, CBM, condition-based maintenance. Now you don't need to check your wheel after every 20,000 kilometer or 30,000 kilometer, you have a sensor installed and that sensor can tell you when the device need maintenance. So basically we are shifting from periodic to predictive. How do you think this condition-based maintenance concept is evolving and how technology is making it much more easier uh, for operator to implement it? Uh, and I, I can assume there is a lot of role play by the IoT and AI in this component, but how you see the future will be? So what I can see is that obviously without uh, IoT sensors, technology, uh, artificial intelligence that allow us to elaborate the data, we won't be speaking about this kind of benefits, right? Mm -hmm. So, and what I can see what will happen in the future is because if you think about what you were speaking about is how this started. You have a... You have first the last generation, maybe trains or signaling equipment that are already digital, yeah. can send data, but uh, basically customers were doing nothing with that data, right? Then you have the old generation that we were speaking before. So very old technologies, but you need to collect data. How to collect data? You need IoT sensors. Yeah. So let's say that we have already the data. We install in the old generation technologies, IoT sensors, and in the new ones, you already have the digital data. So what is happening now? How did this start? You have a platform that collects all this data and analyze this data and started with improving the maintenance cycles. So if you have to basically maintain something every three months with this kind of data analyzing when really it got wasted, it was broken, mm. you can understand that maybe it's not three months that you need this four months, right? 
but this yeah. is only something is something that improving uh, maintenance cycles. Then the next step is okay. We have all this data. We have artificial intelligence. Why we don't predict? So at the moment, uh, we as Itachi are also doing this. We are predicting uh, for some components that basically what you can do with digitalization is uh, to predict uh, when the component will really get broke mm. or basically to maintain in advance in order to not allow the, to broke, you know, because uh, it's, even, it's even better, right? If you uh, can avoid uh, to have a component broken yeah. and then you will have maybe a train stop for a month because you are waiting to, to repair or, or you have interruption on the line uh, in the middle of uh, the country and uh, you have a lot of disruption that costs a lot of, of money to, to the operator, right? Yeah. So another important point is not only to predict that when it will be get broke, but also to avoid to maintain correctly when it needs to be maintained in order to uh, enlarge the life of the component. Then the last point will be prescriptive maintenance. Yeah. And this is something that uh, we are working on now at the moment, because we have at the moment the predictive, the future is the prescriptive. So basically understand really what will happen with your component, but in 360 degrees. Mm. Not only predict, but have a life cycle basically. For sure, I know that this will, will get blocking in 10 years, but you should maintain in this way. Uh, you know, given that we are collecting data, mm. uh, you could basically update the, mind, the, the maintenance information of your component based yeah. on artificial intelligence and continues to understand what will happen with that component. So at the moment, what I see the future is prescriptive everything will be prescriptive maintenance. That's amazing. So basically you're saying from preventive, we'll go to predictive and predictive, we are now going to prescriptive. And, and yeah. the idea is not only tell them when it will fail, but also educate or, or help operator to extend the life of that component by performing a set in a better way. So whether it's yeah. uh, improving certain track. So if your track is better, probably your wheel will have a better life. And uh, if you want to extend the life of wheel, probably you need to don't worry about the wheel, but you should worry about some other component which interact with the wheel. Uh, and amazing. and, and you're in, yes, and you're including another very important point you know, because uh, what we can see in the future is also data correlation. Mm. Because you are concentrated too much in only one single component, what will happen in that component, but uh, you should correlate with other data. You need to understand which is the other data that is important to correlate in order to enlarge the life of your component. And you just remember me that because uh, yes, information from the rails. The, if the rail and the wheel are not correctly profiled, uh, that impacts in all the components of the, of yeah. the rolling stock, you know? So yeah. yes, that is another important point, correlation of that, of course. Yeah. No, that term is not popular yet, prescriptive maintenance. But I think after after this episode, people will now know that it's not predictive anymore. It's about prescriptive yeah. and how to make it much more better. That's great. Thank you so much for sharing something new because I learned it today. I never knew about this. So thanks okay. for sharing that and putting it uh, putting it on the show. Now, 
Hitachi Rail has a lot of experience in managing rail infrastructure, electrical equipments and and electricity cables and wiring. And at the same time, we are seeing a lot of uh, adoption of electric buses. A lot of operators are now implementing electric buses, uh, introducing electric bus fleet. And to introduce electric fleet, they have to create this kind of uh, infrastructure at the depot, as well as they have to understand this, uh, how this electric powertrain work and uh, and the important point which you mentioned earlier is the change management. You need to have a new skill. You have to have new processes to manage uh, these kind of stuff. I'm very curious to know like how Hitachi Rail is leveraging its experience in the rail sector and translating into, into the road sector. So is Hitachi Rail is looking to become a Hitachi electric bus company in future or, or a big player in that space? So I would say yes and no, <laughs> because <laughs> uh, we for sure uh, are trying to enlarge our portfolio in order to allow multimodality, okay? And uh, in the past, we were very active in the rail environment. So now, uh, tomorrow, we will be also active in the bus environment, yeah. in the area of electric buses explicitly, because um, we are more interested in how to give a a social innovation uh, support to our customers. So the electric bus component is very important from that point of view in order to reduce pollution and because of uh, decarbonization and sustainability. So yes, we are entering that market, but obviously we won't be at the moment, uh, I don't see Tachi playing and, and there's an, any other business unit will do that, but uh, building electric buses, right? We will continue to support this in the area that uh, we are investing in doing traffic management system for electric buses, yeah. leveraging or experiencing in, in trains, because you can imagine how complex yeah. is to manage the traffic for trains so we would like to use this in a simple way, obviously, because you cannot make complex instead the, the bus environment. You have to make it simple, but leverage from the experience of rail. And at the same time, uh, understanding all the electronic uh, components in order to make sure that, you, uh, that all uh, bus operators can have an efficient planning and scheduling, because mm. that is at the moment what is missing, right? Yeah. that uh, you have a traditional traffic management system for buses that are diesel or fuel buses in any case. They have this kind of information from tracking, planning and scheduling, but the actual solutions are not able to manage the electric component. Like you said, you have electric charges in the depot yeah. and uh, you need as operator to plan correctly the routes of the buses. You need to understand uh, how to plan the charging in the depot, how many, how many charging systems are available and what time, uh, when, how many buses I can charge today and so on. And at the same time, I need to understand uh, how much uh, battery my bus has still available, right? Yeah. Because if I would like to send a bus in a route, uh, it has to be sure, you have to be sure that it will complete the route, right? It's not like you can stay, stop <laughs> in the middle. Yeah. And the, the, to understand the life of the battery is very tricky because you need, to, you need to collect a lot of information from the battery point of view, battery management. 
So you need to integrate the information from the battery management and also from the charging systems inside the traffic management system in order to efficiently uh, manage the planning and the scheduling. But this has to be dynamically. Yeah. How to add the dynamic part is something that uh, Itachi is contributing now uh, with our customers. And uh, you will say, but why other companies cannot do that? We are doing this because we are part of Itachi Group and we have yeah. Itachi Energy. Itachi mm. Energy is a supplier of a charging system and also a smart charging component. So we are basically who are integrating this data, data management. You, you, you see, there is always yeah. a component of data management, right? So, so that is basically what we are doing in the area of electric buses. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine that uh, uh, leveraging your experience in rail and managing rail infrastructure is so complex. And the same challenge they will face in electric bus in future, like a lot of operator think that it's just replacing the asset from diesel to electric. But I feel it's not mm -hmm. only the asset, but there are a lot of things in the background. Yeah. Like you rightly mentioned about uh, the not only the charging, but also the battery behavior. So let's say you charge a bus fully 100%, but it's not necessary. It will complete the same route which other buses are doing. Yeah. So you have to understand the battery behavior. So your BMS has to be linked with your charging infrastructure. And then ultimately it has to link with your planning and scheduling. And also the impact of driver uh, driving behavior and the route topography, geography, yeah. whether there is gradient, uh, it's a it's a high grade or low grade. So it, yeah. it has a lot of impact. So, so thanks for sharing. And I, and I feel a lot of value combining the knowledge from energy and rail uh, to this new segment of buses. Now, we are at the, our last question, and uh, I promise this is my last question because uh, thank you for, for your generous time. But I can't end our conversation without asking you about Hitachi uh, Rail Mobility as a service app because you mentioned briefly about that. And this is one of the key pillars for Hitachi Rail as a strategy, which is service for mobility. Uh, Hitachi launched a pilot in the city of Genoa. You mentioned about the 360 pass, which is using artificial intelligence and Bluetooth sensor to connect public transport in the city and work with the local partners. So you have this fully integrated system. Uh, can you share a little more detail about this 360 pass and what yes, is the yes. big vision here? Like what Hitachi want to create in the future? Okay, so like I said, uh, basically, if you think about digitalization in railways, you have to cover two areas, operation and maintenance. Yeah. About maintenance, we are already covering since a lot of years, and we already have an intelligence, uh, intelligent asset management system for both signaling and rolling stock. So that part of digitalization has been covered. But what about the operators? And, and in, in, indirectly, also, what about the passengers? Because uh, like we said before, right, uh, our, our main customers are both passengers and operators. Yeah. So how to target both? So based on that, we created, uh, or like I said, Lumada Intelligent Mobility Suite. And in this kind of uh, Lumada uh, Intelligent Mobility Suite uh, range of products, we have different products. We have what is 360 pass. Yeah. That is basically the solution that we are implementing for smart ticketing that also is enabling mobility as a service. 
in order to give an instrument to the passengers to be more attracted to public transport. And uh, what is the difference? What is our differentiator from the point of view of the competitors? That we are investing in a solution and we are, we, and that's what basically we implemented in Genova that is totally seamless. Mm. So we installed beacons uh, in stations and vehicles. And uh, basically what you need to do is download an app application, yeah. activate the Bluetooth, put in your pocket. You don't have to check in, check out. So basically, automatically, the mobile app communicate with the beacons and understand that you are taking the public transport. Okay. So basically, uh, then it's up to the operator to share the, the best fare policy that they would like to use to attract more people. But here the idea is that you won't be charged for basically a, like you buy a, a bus ticket for 100 minutes, right? Yeah. You will be charged based on how much you use the public transport. That could be per day, per week, per month. And so basically you won't have not only the part that is a seamless solution that the customer will say, I finally don't have to be worried about where to buy the ticket, check in, check out and so on. But also the operator is charging me the best fare rate. Yes, so I'm happy to, to use the public transport. So this from the point of view of uh, 360 pass. So what is the vision now from Itachi? So this you are giving for the passengers. Then we have 360 motion. So 360 motion is the platform instead that uh, collect any kind of data, correlate the data and okay. provide value added services for both operator and passengers. So what we are doing with the data of the 360 pass, that is also another point that we are doing in Genova. You know, you have the beacons information. Yeah. So basically, and everything, everything compliant with GDPR. Now, this has to be very important to underline because we are not uh, uh, keeping the information about who is really traveling. For traveling. us, is for us as an X person going from A to B location. So basically, the beacons allows us to collect this data. We are collecting this data from the 360 motion platform. And uh, we are able to understand the uh, origin destination matrix. And we are giving insights to, to our operators about uh, which is the most congested station, which is the uh, most used uh, path to travel, yeah. and so on. So this is something that uh, we are doing about Genoa. But what is next? No, because I think you're also interested what what is next is uh, to collect more information. 360 motion, like I said, is agnostic also from the point of view of the, of, the, of the sensors. So we can collect any kind of data. So what is the idea? To collect information also from congestion monitoring. To collect information also from the point of view of the timetable. And uh, uh, correlate all this data. We are already talking with uh, different uh, customers uh, and uh, we are implementing this in order to basically adapt the timetable based on the real demand. Ah, okay. This, this could be from two point of view interesting because for the first point, uh, uh, if it's possible, we can optimize operations, right? Mm. And think about that you can optimize only one or 2% is a huge amount of investment. Uh, if you reduce one, 
run of the train because you can imagine how much energy consumes to run of yeah. the train. So, and uh, that allows you to recover quickly the investment of this platform. The second point is, okay, I don't like to optimize the operations from the point of view of reducing the number of runs, but you at the same time can optimize the operations from the point of view that you have the same runs, but distributed in different uh, times of the day in order to offer a better um, public transport to, to, to the passengers giving them a better passenger experience, obviously. Yeah. So we would like to concentrate or the strategies to concentrate in the public transport environment in 360 degrees, offering uh, from the digital point of view, not only benefits from the maintenance point of view, because we already did that, but now also concentrated in the operations point of view. Mm. And that's why you call it 360. Because exactly. yeah, <laughs> you're yeah. covering the full life cycle of uh, yes. of any transit network or bus system. So it's not only the maintenance, but also the operation and also uh, real delivery to the customer. So uh, you are covering now a full life cycle. Now, thanks for sharing that. And I, I fully agree with you. The data play a very important role. You need to know when your customer travel, where they travel and how they travel, because then you can customize and and people are looking for more and more personalized service. Uh, sometimes it's difficult to provide personalized, but with the data, you can at least customize a little bit, make it faster, whether you should run express route or whether you should run shorter turnaround, whether you should uh, have a more frequent service during peak hour or less service during uh, different time of the day. So that's that's important. So thanks for sharing that. Uh, and I, I see a couple of cases in the past uh, uh, where they use that. I, I remember, you know, there is there is a ring road service an operator was operating and there was a clockwise service and anti-clockwise service. But, uh, but when they saw the data, they found like in morning people travel clockwise and very few people travel anti-clockwise and in the in the evening it was reversed so more people mm. travel anti-clockwise and and more, less people travel clockwise so you have to make more buses in a different time so i agree with you how, with the data you can do that so thank you wellington you know we discuss about transit we discuss about technology we discuss about the latest mobility trend but now it's time to learn a little bit more about you and uh, for that, we have this rapid fire question round. I'll ask okay. you five questions and uh, you need to answer them quickly. So if you're ready, then I will start. Okay, perfect. Go ahead. Okay. So my first question is, uh, if you were not in mobility or technology space, what other profession you would have selected? Economics. Economics? Yes, yes. Economics, yes, yes. My, my idea when I joined university was basically to do... Administration, business administration, you know, and then basically for different factors, I decide to do telecommunication engineering. But uh, now I'm doing, I think, a strategy for that reason because uh, I need to analyze a lot of numbers, you know. So because I am a very attractive lad, so I would say that if not mobility, I will go. I will be maybe working for a bank, you know, <laughs> or <sure>. a bank. <laughs> yes. No, I think I think what you said, you are already doing that with strategy. You are doing that business case, you're crunching the number, you're seeing in the beginning, I remember you mentioned about the profitability of any idea. So you're not just looking at the innovation side, but you're also looking at the profitability and sustainability of that idea. So as an economist, you wear your economist hat and do that. Now you travel around the world, like you 
raised and born in Latin America, moved to Europe, and with your job, you must be traveling around the world uh, a lot. Uh, so my next question is, which is your favorite city in the world? I have many. <laughs> That's a problem. <laughs> you know, uh, you for sure uh, will never uh, forget your own city. So for me, for example, my my born city, Quito, the capital of Ecuador, is uh, my favorite for sure. Mm. But at the same time, traveling, like you said, traveling around the world, uh, you start to like other cities. So for sure there are other, and uh, I would say Genova, also I live here. Yeah. I, I like also Genova, so yeah, I have many. <laughs> <laughs> and I think for Genova, the best thing is also you get the best pizza in the world. So is it true? Focaccia, <laughs> focaccia, focaccia, formaggio, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Now, uh, so you work in a transit space, so I'm pretty sure whenever you visit a new city or any city you're visiting, you're always testing the transit network there or using the public transport there. So my next question is, which city has the best transit network in the world? So I would say that uh, I won't say only one because uh, for sure when I was traveling, the first one that impressed to me was Madrid. Mm. I think Madrid has a very good uh, public transport. But uh, lastly, uh, traveling in other cities, I would say that I got amazed also from Vienna, for example. Yeah. I think Vienna has also a very good uh, public transport. And then. Um, I would say depending also because, uh, you know, it, it depends also how big is the city. Yeah. But uh, in bigger cities, uh, sometimes uh, the operators, but in case the municipalities try to do a lot for the city, put a lot of networks, but considering that it's so big, maybe you cannot realize that they have a very good public transport. Also, it, it also depends. But I would say that the, the, the best situations are Madrid and Vienna. There are others that also in your side, I would say uh, Toronto. I got um, it's a... in Canada, I, I got amazed about the, the public transport in Toronto because it was very easy to, to travel around Toronto. And uh, I would say that uh, like that, maybe there, there are some other examples, but uh, yeah. No, I, I think all three cities has amazing system. Vienna, I travel myself, and Toronto, I live, so I know. Uh, but Madrid, we have a good friend, Kwan, uh, who is the chief technology officer at EMT Madrid. So he'll be very happy with this answer. Yeah. Now, as part of your job, you meet a lot of startups. And, and you mentioned that you your part of your role is to collaborate with startups. So my next question is, which is your favorite startup in the mobility sector? Uh, given that I work with them, I cannot uh, make the one favorite, you know, because otherwise. <laughs> uh... <laughs> so, it's, but it's... I will say that, yeah, it's, 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 it's tricky because you collaborate and obviously you have uh, good startups in different sectors. So even how to say who is best is a little tricky because uh, you have also to characterize based on the sector, right? Yeah, but I would say there are there are there are many startups that are very good in depending on the sector. Obviously, I cannot do names. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, I I can imagine it's difficult to pick uh, one kid out of uh, all of them. So it's it's difficult to pick your pick your favorite kid. So same time, it's difficult to pick your favorite yeah. startup because you work with them. exactly. 
my last question is if you can change one thing in life what would it be one thing on life i would say i would change the point that basically make now the city so polluted mm. so try to understand what i have to eliminate in the city uh, that is creating a lot of contamination you know so for sure i will put a lot of public transport along the, the main cities and to make it easier to to be used so we have a, also even less private cars because i would say that now cl climate change uh, or world is suffering a lot yeah and is everything because of pollution you know pollution that we we were not able to take care of since the beginning and plan correctly uh, how to reduce the contamination so i would change that for sure well that's a that's a great thought uh, because climate change is real and the, and this summer we saw it was so hot in europe and everywhere and now we have a lot of storms and flooding happening all over the world so it's real and uh, that's a great thought uh, to change that thing from the world thank you so much wellington uh, for your great insight i really love a uh, lot of new thing like you mentioned prescriptive maintenance i never thought about that area so thanks for sharing that thank and, you to you uh, as part for this opportunity for your time. Oh, thank, thank you. you thank you i wish you good luck thank you for listening to this podcast we'll be inviting some other inspiring guests in the coming week you can subscribe to this podcast online to get the notification for the next episode if you like this podcast please don't forget to give us a five star rating as it will help us to spread our message if you have any feedback or suggestion for this podcast please do write to us at info@mobility-innovator.com at i look forward to see you next time